0: I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside. Welcome to all of you. Again, welcome to those of you who are online. And blessed Easter to each and every one of you. I've been praying all week that you would experience the the joy of Easter, the joy of knowing that Jesus Christ is alive, the joy of knowing that we do have a living hope, the joy of knowing that someday it's going to be okay, that what happened on that Easter day long ago started reversing the brokenness. And one day it's going to be all right. I want to start this morning with a, with a question that I was asked a, a long time ago, back when I was still in school, so we're talking over 30 years ago. When I was still in seminary, I worked at Pine Rest just down the excuse me, just down the road here, and, and I worked in, in a number of different units, a number of different places, and, and I was kind of there to, to keep track of people and to, well, I, I worked a lot on what was called the adolescent unit, uh, teenagers, one, t- one side of guys, one side of girls, young ladies, these teenagers who had had some, some real struggles in their lives experienced a fair amount of trauma, a fair amount of difficulties, and and we were there just to spend time with them, hopefully make sure they didn't run away. Uh, At that time, uh, some of these people, young people, stayed at Pine Rest for over a year. Um, It became their home, and so we got to know them really well. It was one young woman, I'll call her Susan, that's not her name, but one young woman, and and, and she asked me a question one time, we were just talking, she and I had kind of hit it off, she'd laughed at the same stupid things I did, and and we liked rival teams, and so we gave each other grief, and and, and one time she kind of got serious, and she said, you know, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, and she said, no offense, there's always dangerous, right? No offense, but why do you want to be a minister? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you, you seem normal. And actually, you're sort of cool for an old guy. I mean, I was 24. <laughs> you're kind of cool for an old guy. Why, why do you... I mean, obviously in her mind, being a minister and being sort of cool, even if you're an old guy, did not go together, right? Whatever picture she had of a minister in her head, it was that somebody who yelled at you. It was somebody, and she said, I just don't see you doing that. Why do you want to be a minister? And, and I thought about it for a little bit, and and. And the answer I would give to her then is the same answer that I give to you today. Why do I think I have the greatest job in the world? Why do I do what I do? It's because of today. It's because, and this is what I said to her, I said, Susan, it's because I want to tell people that that There's hope. I want to tell broken people living in a broken world that, that there is hope. You and I both know, I said to her. I said, you know that there's a lot wrong in this world. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. And that is so true. There is so much brokenness in this world. I said, you've experienced it yourself. I said, some of it, it it's our own fault. If we're honest with ourselves. I said, you know, come on, sometimes we, we say something we shouldn't. We do something or we don't do something. And sometimes we make a mess of things and it's our own fault. We don't take care of a marriage and it falls apart. We don't love our kids and they leave us or whatever. Sometimes it's our own fault, but sometimes it's not our fault. It's somebody else's fault, or sometimes it's just that stuff happens. It's just that there's brokenness in this world. I I said, you know how it is. Sometimes we blow it. Sometimes the people around us blow it. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes we just get dumped on by life. I I said, this is why I want to be a minister, because there's there's a lot wrong in this world. And and as you know, sometimes we, we want to give up. She had been to that place. That's what brought her into the hospital. She tried to take her life. I mean, she just said, it's no good. I'm never going to get this right. Everybody around me, nobody cares. It's just, I, I want to tell you, I want to tell everybody I can that there's hope. That there's hope. That in this broken world, there is hope. And it's a hope that's rooted in Easter. It's a hope that's rooted in today. It's probably why that question has been on my mind all week. Because whenever I think about hope, I think about just saying, I I, I wanted so much. I wanted so much for her to know that there was hope. I mean, she was struggling. There was so much difficulty. The road was going to be long no matter what. And I wanted her to know that there is hope. And I want all of you to know that there is hope. I don't know what brokenness you're going through. I don't know if it's somebody else's fault or I don't know if it's your own fault. But I know this, all of us go through junk and all of us get to places where we want to give up. But today, today we say he has risen and there is hope. There's hope for those of us who've made a mess of our own lives and there's hope for us who have just gotten a raw deal from life. So I hope that's rooted in Easter, so I want to look at that Easter story, the story that Mark tells us in Mark 16, verse 1. He tells us about three women who are going to be walking and making their way to the tomb. Easter is a day of great hope, but of course it starts in darkness. It starts in, 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 in questions with the death of Jesus on Friday and seeming like the dream was done. This is what Mark says happens. When the Sabbath was over, interestingly, just for what it's worth, not real important, but for what it's worth, this would actually be what we would call Saturday evening. Jewish people start a day at sundown, right? So Jesus was crucified on Friday. He died. He was buried before sundown. When the sun went down, it became Sabbath. And it stayed Sabbath until the sun went down again. So this would have been maybe 7 o'clock on what we would call a Saturday evening. That would be when the Sabbath was over. Now, on a Sabbath day, the Jewish people could do no work, right? No trading, no buying, no selling. And so, th- this was a surprise death. They didn't have these spices around. And, and don't think of just like a little bit of a spice. No, these are oils. This is a couple of pounds of stuff that you use to anoint a body. They didn't have it just sitting around. So uh, when the sun went down, they went out and they bought it. Okay? They went out and they bought it. Three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. We don't know everything about these women, but we know that that each one of them had had been in a bad place, and then they had met Jesus. Each one of them felt like Jesus had changed their lives. Each one of them felt like when they they saw him, they saw somebody who brought love. They saw that the Father loved them. They saw that, that there was hope for them. They saw, and these women who had not dreamed in years started to dream again that with jesus everything could be okay and then he was gone and 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 they they were faithful we'll get to the disciples later but they were faithful to, it was just that life dumped on them and, and so they went and bought spices so they may go they might go to uh, anoint jesus body they got the stuff they went home and then very early the next morning very early on the first day of the week. So now we're talking Sunday morning, just after sunrise. They were on their way to the tomb. Just kind of imagine it. It's dark, and these three women are there. Not a lot of talking going on. There's some weeping and some tears, and and they're going. They're not going to embalm the body. Okay, that's not what this was about. They didn't embalm bodies in those days. What they were doing were two other things. The reason they wanted to go, and, and some of you might understand this, the reason they wanted to go. Maybe you've wanted to go to a memorial service for this reason or to visit a cemetery for this reason, but there were two reasons. First of all, they, they wanted just to say thank you. They wanted to say thank you to this one who had changed their lives. They wanted to say thank you this one had given them hope. This was not embalming. It was an act of, of love and adoration. They wanted to say thank you. They also wanted to say goodbye. Wanted to say goodbye to his body, to those hands and arms that had held them as they wept, to that body that had meant so much to them, to that person who had been so important. They wanted to say goodbye to his body, but they also wanted to say goodbye to their dreams. This was it. It was enough, okay? We've all had that, right? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool on you, fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not going to get burned again, right? I'm not going to do this. And I would imagine each one of these women was just saying, okay, it's true, everything ends bad. It's true, it all goes south. And so they were going to say goodbye to their hopes. They were going to say goodbye to their dreams. As they get closer, they realize that life is going to punch them in the gut again. Because there was a stone in front of the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Tombs weren't built down. They were built into caves like this. And, 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 and they had been there when Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea had, had taken the body of Jesus, and they'd put it in this tomb, something like this. This isn't the one. But that stone there, right there, that one, they would roll that in front of the tomb. It weighed a couple of tons, okay? So it was not something that they could have moved themselves. The guys, the disciples, are nowhere to be found, and the stone is in front of it. We know that. Mark said, then Joseph rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. So they're coming closer, and they're thinking, we're not even going to be able to do this. But when they get there, they it saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. I would imagine they didn't know exactly what to do with this, right? Is this good news that somebody anticipated this? They, they can now go in. Or is this bad news? Is somebody messing around with them, right? I mean, what, what, what exactly is going on? They're not very sure about it. I don't know if somebody stole about it. What it is, they just don't know. I, I love something that an old British monk said. You can quote the venerable bead, okay? I mean, he, 1,300 years ago, okay? He was preaching, and he said, friends, Friends, you need to know something. He said the stone was rolled back not to let Jesus out. He could have gotten out on his own. It was not to let Jesus out. It was to let the women in. I love that thought. The stone was rolled away so the women could go in. And so they do that. Inside it would have looked something like this. It would have been a place to lay a body. And that body would be anointed in, in, in the spices and the body would decay. And then there would be a place as well, an ossuary, to put the bones and they would go in there, crawl through that kind of opening. You saw that it was fairly small. And so they entered the tomb. And as they entered the tomb, they realized that it was, uh, well, there was no body. There was no, no body there. Instead, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. For some reason this week, I kind of got obsessed with this guy. <laughs> For some reason this week, I, I was thinking a lot about him, and, and, and I want you to just stop because, I, you know, I, I imagine what it was like for him. He was an angel. Okay, let me just tell you. We, we know that this is the way Mark talked about that. This is the way others talk about it, but this is an angel, and, and angels have emotions, all right? They, they have joy. They have sorrow. Angels have, and I was just thinking what it would be like for him, and I imagine, going back, just think about this with me. We didn't know exactly how it happened, but it was probably... Kind of like this. This is, we'll just call him Michael, okay? We don't know if it was Archangel Michael, but let's say it's Michael, okay? Michael is there. He's up in heaven on, on Good Friday, good Thursday, even the betrayal and the arrest and, and, and the trial and the beatings and the whipping and the spitting and the mocking. And then God's son, I mean, he, he was probably in the presence of God. Imagine what that would have been like to be in the presence of God as his own son is on the cross and as his own son cries out, oh My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the tears I imagine are just streaming down the face of the Father, because he knows that if he rescues him, then we're all lost. And, and, and he's there in that brokenness and that sadness. And and then the silence as Jesus is taken down and put in the tomb. And I would imagine everybody is just stunned. All the angels around the Father are stunned. And, and then just, I don't know how it happened, but imagine Father saying, Michael, come here, come here. And Michael comes over and says, yes, sir. The father says, hey, I'm going to raise him from the dead. Michael says, k- 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 can you do that? Is that allowed? Yes, if a willing sacrifice, this is what is about. if a willing sacrifice gives his life and he's innocent, then, then I get him back. I get to claim him back and all of death is going to be undone and it's all going to start going backwards and it's all going to get better. Michael, this is what I'm going to do. And Michael's like, dude, that's fantastic. Oh, you don't give the father a high five, but I mean, maybe you do. Anyway, Michael's all excited about this. And then, and then the father says, okay, but here's the deal. See, he's gonna rise from the dead he's gonna go get his body and then he's gonna go out and, and three women are gonna to come to the tomb these three women are gonna to come to the tomb and uh i want you to tell them that he's risen i want i don't want him to find just an empty tomb i want you to be there i want you to tell them and then and then also give them a message for the disciples and he told Michael what it was. We'll look at that in a minute. But I, so I just imagine that, okay? I mean, again, at some point, Michael had to get these orders from the Father, right? At some point, something like that had to happen. And I imagine being in Michael's shoes on the one hand. I mean, he is just so excited. He gets, he gets the, the news that changes the world, great news that Jesus is alive, that he is risen from the dead. But he also realizes how, how hard it is going to be to communicate something like that. There are at least two things that are against him. I mean, the, the, the people he's going to tell, the women he's going to tell, first of all, they're, they're going to be scared basically to death of him. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the problems angels have when they come to give a message to somebody. Even though they might put on human form, basically every time in the Bible an angel shows up, everybody just gets scared to death. And, and I imagine Michael again was, you know, I mean, whatever, 12 feet tall, right? It's so always thinking, okay, I'm 12 feet tall, I'm going to go talk to these women. I'm going to try to shrink down. And, and, and not only are they going to see me, I mean, I'm going to be in a tomb. They're going to be looking for a dead body. They're going to find me. They are going to just be petrified. And so I imagine Michael spending a day trying to figure out how, how do I do this. Because not only are they going to be scared of him, it's going to be really hard for them to believe what he has to say. It's so, I Michael trying to figure it out. I, I, I honestly believe that he would do something like, okay, I'm going to try to look small. I'm going to try to, you know, if you're going to go talk to a child or whatever, you, you try to get small and on their level. So here's this angel trying to, I can see my hands are out in front of me. I'm just sitting here calmly, legs crossed, just relax. It, I mean, on the one hand, so excited. On the other hand, there's almost no way he can convey what this really means. Maybe the reason I thought about that is because that's how I feel every Easter. So excited. But I don't know how to let you know how great this news is. They saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side, and sure enough, they were alarmed. So Michael starts. He don't don't be alarmed. He said the angel said don't 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 be alarmed. Relax. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to cause. Problems. Don't be alarmed. I know why you're here. You're here for for Jesus who was crucified. Jesus the Nazarene. I'm I'm here because I know you're looking for him. He um he's he's risen, I don't know how to tell you, but he's risen, he's alive, he's not dead anymore. His body, take a look at the place where it lay, it's, it's not there. And, and it's not like the body is just gone. he came back and he got it and he got inside and it came back to life and now he's out there and he's alive and everything is okay. Do you understand this? And I, I imagine him just kind of, he gets so excited, he's, he's back to 12 feet. Right? I mean, he's back to big and the women are just like, what is going on here? But that's what it was like. I mean, those words, he has risen. How do you, how do you say that? How, how do you communicate that? How does that, what does that mean? I, I, I think this is something that is, is so wonderful and, and yet so challenging to grasp that I, I think we, we'll never get it. I don't know if we'll ever even in heaven get it, but certainly not in this life because these words change everything. They're not always easy to believe. Okay, let's be honest about that. It's not always easy because I've not seen anybody else rise from the dead. I've not seen anybody else come out of a grave. And I do believe it with all my heart. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes it can feel like, is it really true? When the world gets broken, when I find myself in the ditch, whether it's my fault or somebody else's, God, you're really there it's not always easy to believe. It's not always easy to connect to my life. Okay, so this happened 2,000 years ago. What, what does it mean for me? How does that change my life? Because it seems like things aren't that different. It's not, it's not, but somehow I tell you this, if you will have faith, if you will put your trust in Jesus Christ, somehow these words change everything. And it doesn't mean all the pain is gone today, but it means that there is hope. It means that death doesn't win. For the course of the last 30-some years, I have stood with many of you at gravesites. And let me tell you, death is a powerful enemy. Don't think it's not. Death is a powerful enemy. And we've stood there and for some of the times we've thrown dirt on on the coffin of the one we love. And at that moment, it feels for everything like death wins. But I want to tell you, friends, it doesn't. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it was just the first fruits. It, it was just the beginning. Somehow, what he did that day, that whole brokenness of the world, which was moving this way, by his resurrection, he turned that back this way, and everything is starting to go backwards, back to the way it was supposed to be, back to the new life, back to the time where there were no more death and no more pain and no more tears. It's going that way, and I wish it would get there faster. But friends, I believe with all my heart that someday it's going to be Okay. Because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And so we can dare to hope and dream again. I, I know we get to a place where we just say it's not worth it. Things don't change. People don't change. I don't change. Friends, that's not true. Jesus Christ is alive in his resurrection power. It changes us little by little. Not always as fast as we'd like, but it changes us. It changes our world. And one day, he is going to come back, and he is going to change everything. And it's all going to be okay, friends. There is hope. And especially here, there's hope for those of us who've been dumped on by life. Again, these women hadn't done anything, so to speak, wrong. I mean, they had not failed Jesus. They just, he has risen. And it's going to be okay. Okay. And, and then the angel, Michael, gets to the second part of his message, Mark 16, verse 7. He says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Uh, now he says, okay, he has risen, but now I've got a job for you. And he tells the women, and they become the messengers. They become the angels, as it were. They become the ones who are now to go to the disciples, go to the guys, and they are to tell him. And they're telling him not just, this is what's interesting, okay, Not just that he is risen. They would certainly say that. They would certainly tell the disciples that he was alive. But you know what the message the disciples really needed to hear? Not just that he's alive, but that he wants to be with them. That he wants to be with them. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. You're going to see him again. You're going to be with him once again. Jesus wants to be with you once again. The reason that that's so important, the reason that that is so essential is that the disciples had failed and they had failed miserably. They had been with Jesus for three years. He was the best person any of them had ever met. He had changed their lives and they had pledged their lives to him. They had said, we will be with you even if you die. When Jesus was arrested, they all ran away. When the going got tough, the tough got going, and they were going in all sorts of different directions, scattered like the wind. And I think for them, that Sabbath day was sadness. But perhaps even more, it was guilt. It was the guilt of their failure. They had said, we will be here. You know what that's like when you say, you know what, I can do this. None of these guys, at all when they were younger, they had been called losers by everybody else. It's kind of what they were. And, and when they were with Jesus for those three years, they didn't feel like losers. They felt like people who were valuable. They felt like people who were important. And I would imagine as Jesus died, they all stood there and went, everybody was right. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I can't do it. And that's why I love this, that God the Father knows what they're feeling. And God the Father says to the angel, go tell the women. And, and Tell them that Jesus wants to be with them. They need to know that Jesus still loves them. They need to know that Jesus forgives them. They need to know that it's okay, and so do you. We need to know that even if we've made our own bed, one day we're not going to have to lie in it. But Jesus died and rose again to give us a brand new bed. They needed to know it, but especially Peter. I don't know if you picked this up. I don't know if you noticed it. It's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, But go, tell his disciples and Peter, which is an odd thing to say because Peter is one of the disciples. be a little bit like saying to me, hey, give this message to your brothers and to Tom or to the staff members and to Daniel. Why would I? I mean, if I'm doing the staff members, I'm doing Daniel. If I'm doing my brothers, I'm doing Tom. Give the message to the disciples and to Peter. Why? God wants to say to Peter, you too, buddy. This is not just the others. You see, everybody had failed, but Peter had failed miserably to the nth degree. He had denied even knowing Jesus three times. And I love God's heart. This is what I want to tell you about. This is why I do what I do. This is why I have the best job in the world. Because God sees Peter, and who is especially broken. Because he's blown it in an especially deep way. And he says, Peter, Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. There you'll have the opportunity to be one. And, and, and Jesus wants to be with you. And, and there's hope for those of us who have failed. If you are here today and you say, Ron, I have messed up my life so much. My word is welcome to the club. But know this. Jesus Christ is going ahead of you. Jesus Christ not only rose again, not only paid for your sin, but he wants to be with you. He wants to use you. He wants to work in you. He loves you, and so those two things, those two things are the Easter's, the angel's Easter message of hope, and and that's what I want to say to you today, and that's what I wanted to say to Susan on that day so long ago, that he has risen, and, and, and there's hope for those of us who've been dumped on by life. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if you're facing the death of a loved one, if you've had it, if it's coming, whatever it is. I don't know, but I know this. Death doesn't win. I know this one day. It's all going to be made right. There is hope for those of us who have been dumped on, and he is going ahead of you. There is hope for those of us who have failed. It's an amazing message. It is just an absolutely amazing message. But it's hard to believe You know, it would be interesting. Mark is way too honest. If I were writing the gospel, I don't know if I could be this honest. Because he tells us what happened with the women. You'd think that they'd be like, yeah, hallelujah, and sing like we did, right? This is how the gospel of Mark ends. This is what they do. Look at this. Mark 16, verse 8. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. (laughs) Trembling and bewildered, they ran away. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. It's so big, and it's so good. Now, eventually they got over it. I mean, it was long before they were running to the disciples, and they were saying, you know what, it's true, I dare to believe it. But, it, but friends, this is, that's, that's why I, like I say, I imagine what it was like for Michael to just say, I, I wish I could somehow make you believe this. Because in this broken world, and as you're broken yourself, there is good news, there is hope. Jesus Christ is alive, and he wants to be with you, and he forgives all your sins. And one day, friends, it is going to be so awesome. So why do you want to be a minister? Whoops, hold on. There we go. Why do you want to be a minister? Because, friends, there is hope. That's why I got the best job in the world. Brothers who are car dealers, they don't stand a chance i give you a great deal on a Chevy or a Toyota, but I can tell you this, man. Jesus Christ is alive. And, and, and there's hope, friends. There's hope for those of us who have failed, for those who have been dumped on by life. There is hope. Jesus is alive, and he wants to be with us. Let's pray. Father, there are a lot of good things in this world, and we recognize that. But at the end of the day, if all we have is this world, we're all dead meat. At the end of the day, we all die. At the end of the day, we all fail. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether it's somebody else's fault or our own. It's messed up. And yet, Father, you promised us through Jesus Christ that we have hope. Thank you for the resurrection. And teach us to, to live with hope. To to know that it's still broken, but to know that one day it's going to be all right. So fill us with the hope of the risen Jesus. Amen.